0: Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona.
1: How's everybody doing after that video? <laughs> uh, that one was weighty. Um, how powerful it is, and Megan had said it too, that we're transitioning with this chapter into what we're going into with the night season and how important it is to think about these principles within ourselves first, right, before we can apply it to our kids. And um, one thing that really sticks out to me that I think is going to be pivotal for all of us to really grasp from this is when he talks about first-time obedience and one aspect of... Somebody who's first time obedient is that they they do it with um, with uh, immediacy, right? Like you obey him immediately. And when I think of myself with respect to that, I can think of times when there was a time in our life when we were being confronted with things, and I was going to act in a certain way in response to those things, and Yahweh, as my father, said, "You shut your mouth." Like that. He said, you keep your mouth shut. Like that. That's how he was talking to me. And it was like, I was like about to talk and I just stopped. And when I hear this, it makes me realize that it's kind of like the kid on the roof, right? Like you can you can have a father who gives you instructions and how many of us would be like, but why? Like we have to interpret it. We got to process it. We have to like sort it out in our mind. Right? And we're getting into His law. Right. Yeah. And so much of the faith or Christianity mm-hmm. or religion will spend time being like that kid on the roof, being like, but why? Or they'll just invalidate His instructions or part of it. Mm-hmm. right? And there's, there's not that immediate consequence, right? Because it's an eternal consequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're not really right. being faced with an immediate consequence like falling off a roof. But it is life or death, right? So I th- I think it's good for us to understand what obedience is in all of its aspects. That you do it without rebelling, without complaining. It's immediate, right? And you do it with a good attitude. Like, evaluate your own obedience in those terms when the Father asks you to do something. And He's given us that level of understanding as we start to familiarize ourselves with His law, which is Him giving instructions and what He expects of us is obedience over sacrifice, right? So it's interesting because no part of that says, like, interpret what I say, and then if you agree with it, right? Like, theology isn't a part of it, right? So I just want us to understand the weightiness of that. Like, think of a time in your own life where Yahweh the Father told you something and it had real consequences and He was expecting you to just say, yes, Dad, and do it. Right? And I think when we start realizing how important that is for us with Him, then we'll start expecting that more with our kids. Right? It'll be more of an urgent thing with our kids. Like, we'll think of it that way. Um, So, just just wanted to really reflect on that because that watching this it was making me think of times in my life where he said do this or don't do that and if I wouldn't have and I probably didn't do it immediately but I can see how if I would have delayed anymore it would have been severely consequential in a negative way
0: yeah i just thinking about like your your kid's response What would that feel like if you gave an instruction and they were like, well, let me interpret what you're saying. And then if I agree, then, you know, and I think that this is such a powerful, it's so grounding and it's so foundational for our individual families. But for him, this is so foundational and so grounding for us as a family, because part of the interpretation and theology, when you're getting into the renewed covenant has so many different ways to look at things. And so you're just left with this. Well, then what is obedience versus even just getting down to the foundational biblical principles of what his moral law is? You know, I I mean, I, I saw this, I mean, because he's he bring he's bringing it up a ton about you know the Old Testament and what was given to the you know what was given to the Israelites. Like it is good instruction. Like when you think about it, like when you read through it, you might be like, okay, well, you know, don't don't entertain a bribe. Okay, then you fast forward and you can operate in in bribery yeah. Yeah. every single day of your life and yeah. think it's a good thing and even yeah. celebrate it in a religion, essentially. Because if you I mean, if you think about it, the whole program is a bribe. Yeah. I mean, I had someone recently, a family member that posted this mega church that they're going to and they said, mocha iced coffees were served this morning. And I'm just like, that is like the epitome of a bribe. Come serve the king and get your goosebumps while you drink your mocha. Like it's, it's all, it's all bribery. Right. So that, but that's like normal. So then, but then when you look at some of this instruction you think, why did he tell them to stay away from bribes? Yeah. You know, And, and then you start to recognize like how foundational that is. And so, you know, um, you know, I mean, we, we've, we've honed this in all of last night's season, but you know, Christianity says that Yeshua came to free us from the, um, being freed from the curse of the Torah is totally different than being freed from the Torah altogether, right? Yeah. And that's ultimately what we're getting at. Yeah. We are freed yeah. from the curse of being disobedient, but we are not freed from just not having to be obedient. Yeah. He never once said that you, I came so that you could just do whatever, do whatever you want, right? And so when you, when you look at some of those scriptures of, you know, like as, as, we were talking about in the night season, getting into like, why did you, why did he say, do not accept bribes? You know, I think, well, that was for back then and there must have been something going on with other tribes or other cultures. And then it's like, it's right here in yeah. front of our face. What is, what happened? I mean, that scripture said that it will uh, cause, um, faulty discernment. Well, think about the context of my just my example of offering a mocha completely washes out any kind of discernment that could yeah. be going on in the background because you've got your mocha. Right. I mean, it, it's it's so prevalent. And so, um, you know, just reversing some of those things, you know, just, you know, I guess I was saying, you know, like as he was saying is just being able to evaluate what it would feel like when your kids respond that way, how it feels to him to respond those the, uh, that way I just kind of want to highlight some things uh, in the chapter as we've been doing let me see what time it is okay um I thought that the very first opening paragraph was amazing it says the joy of a parent-child and and sibling relationships relates directly to the quality of moral virtue reigning in the heart of each of the family members so this is one concept in our individual families the joy of our home is directly proportional on whether or not moral virtue is in each of our hearts, not the kids' hearts, in all of our hearts. Okay, that's our individual family. But what about, like, kingdom culture on earth, yeah. right? I mean, our, and it just keeps extending, our relationship is solely, like, the joy of our relationship is directly dependent on the quality of moral virtue, then we can see why there's so many broken relationships because ultimately it comes down to broken virtue. We don't have the virtue within our hearts, and so then there's broken relationships. So I just think that that was super powerful. Um, That Obedience is absolutely essential to proper family government. You Mm -hmm. do not have family government if there is not obedience. Without obedience, there isn't one. And so we are a family that is called to govern. This is huge for us as we get into tabernacles, the feasts, What we're governing all of all of our responsibility and the authority uh for family government is is founded on obedience but the the problem is is up until this point we've been walking at obedient to what Mm -hmm. right Right. it's one thing to be obedient but the issue is to be obedient to what and we're getting at it's moral virtue well where do you find moral virtue starting in matthew right yes but he was fulfilling moral virtue. Where did he get his moral virtue? He didn't just show up on the scene and come up with his own moral compass. He was walking out a moral virtue that had been given to him and he was trying to spread it that it was, it, that it, meaning he was spreading it in both directions. One, that we're supposed to be operating in moral virtue, but he was also breaking down. You've been adding all these moral boundary virtues and you're getting away from, stop taking bribes. So you're allowing bribes while you're telling people that there's all these fences and you have to do this and you have to do that. He was coming to bring just foundational truth in multiple directions. So, um, I mean, he went over that very, you know, really good immediately, completely without challenge, without complaint, uh, obviously going through what type of parent is just super humbling (laughs) again remember when you're going through this what are you characterized by is 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 just you know constantly um you know constantly looking at that um uh let me see there was one thing I was going to talk about I can get into the different type of um Pa- parents, if we want to, and then, and then he goes through the principles. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, cause I'm trying to just bring the bigger picture. He's talking about the five minute warning. And, uh, the opening sentence says that sometimes the timing of instruction is as important as the instruction itself. Does that not sound totally relevant to our family you know that he is so good yeah. that he just as his instruction has always been important the timing of his instruction has just been just as important for our family yeah. so remember that when you're in the heat of things and you're parenting and you're re- raising the next generation not to just well you need to do this yeah. or this is how it needs to be done because then you always like uh i give you grace for eight years Or, and longer when I, my instruction was always there, but I had to walk you through a process. I gave you many warnings. I gave many invitations. You know, just be thinking about that. You know, the timing of his instructions has been so important to our family. So to be remembering that, like, like I said, he's not saying that every single time you give an instruction, you're supposed to give a warning. He's just saying that you also want to operate out of that, um, that scripture in Corinthians that give them, give them a way of escape. We talk about escape as bad. He's talking, this is talking about allowing our, allowing us to escape sin. Right? We try to escape righteousness. So we escape relationship, we hide, we leave. That, this is the, this is the, the, the untwisted version. He always, he will never tempt you if he does not give a way
1: out. It's like a out. way to surrender.
0: Yeah, a way to surrender or a way out from sin. Go ahead. Uh, Corinthians 10, 13. God never allows us uh, a temptation for which he does not provide a door of escape. So utilizing our context for escape, that if you're escaping, then you're escaping something that's virtuous and recognizing that you're supposed to escape sin and that he will always provide, if there's a temptation, he will always provide that there is some type of door out. And so that's what you're doing when you're facilitating and you're stewarding some of those five minute warnings or those different aspects as you're allowing for obedience to be attractive, especially in the younger years, because you want to work into the self-generated initiative. You know, eventually we want to raise a generation that just sees things that need to happen and they do it without instruction and uh, a good attitude. Right. You might be in a season where it's suppressed initiative and they're not wanting to listen the first time and they have a bad attitude, but watch for the progression. Then they have, you know, the forced initiative. I'm giving instruction, but they've got a bad attitude. Right. So it just keeps, and you can see yourself in all of those things, you know? Um, So anyways, so those, those opportunities of, uh, one of the sayings that we've had when I think about the five minute warning is earning the right to be heard. So, like, in any situation or with family, making sure that you're in a position to where you're you're earning the right to be right- to be right or to be heard meaning you he didn't just come in here and say, "This is what you're supposed to be doing." He comes in, meets you where you're at, and he's walking you through a process if yeah. if that makes sense so just not that I'm saying as parents, you have to earn the right to be heard, but there's there's aspects where. You're going to position yourself to make obedience attractive, to get that foundational heart change, to be able to raise them into self-governing initiative. And Yahweh does that with us. Um, I'm just going to read this last part. Disobedient behavior in children is not a mystery. They are often led into... um, insubordination by us. their loving caregivers. If our if our instruction has no resolve behind it, our children will take advantage of our parental uncertainty and assert their own unguided will. A child's feeling of acceptance and sense of approval is directly related to the standard of behavior required by their parents. So th- that was powerful when you get to the summary that a greater sense of parental approval, love, and acceptance um, in a child, uh, like basically that the higher the standard, the greater the security the child has. And that's why usually it's a parental problem than it is a child problem because they want that standard. They just need the consistency in the standard to be able to abide by it and it gives them a sense of security and belonging and love, which is why then you can see breakdowns of family because that moral standard hasn't been there. But a lot of the times we are wanting approval. So we lower the standard thinking that it's going to produce more love when in reality it produces more of a breakdown and more of a, um, uncertainty. Does that right? So, I mean, at least for me being more of a passive on the passive side, there's this aspect of, well, if I don't get into conflict, Right. Then there will be right. more love when, in reality, it actually just separates, divides, pushes away, and it's there's there's actually less of that, less acceptance, less identity, and um, yeah. I, there was somewhere he put it in here where he said, basically he said if you, I think it's during the passive parenting, but he basically it, it talks about how like all you're asking for is a uh, prolonged conflict. Like all you're at, like in the moment it feels fine, but all you're asking for is discontentment in the future. And I was like, oh. you know, because that's what we, you know, we talk about all the time, you know, moving, moving into the future. Go ahead. So you just said the higher the standard, the more. What did you say? The higher
1: the standard, the more
0: the secure. Standard. secure. Secure. Mm-hmm. So is there a cap, though, like can't you go too far the other direction where you're just strict and like,
2: like how, do you, how do you know the balance of having relationship and like being able to relax in that role as a parent as opposed to just always feeling like it's gotta be strict,
0: strict, strict, strict. Like, just tons of all the time. Like, can't, can't it go too far Well, I don't know if like I... In, type yeah, so I don't know if I interpret his biblical standard as military. So I think that that's more of the execution of it that would cause the strictness. So there's, you know, like, like the bribing, the negotiating, the passive. Then there's the threatening and repeating and authoritative, like authoritative type parenting. And that's not good either. So biblical, judicial, they'll they'll talk about judicial or, um, that type of biblical parenting is neither passive nor authoritarian. So it's not, it's, it isn't either. It's biblical. And so I think probably looking at the rules and those things as authoritative is kind of like two different, like two different definitions, if that makes sense. So the biblical standard will never be lowered Like the biblical standard will always be high. It'll never be lowered, but how you execute it is completely different if it's authoritative or passive. But the biblical standard would always stay because it wouldn't make sense to say, okay, well, as a parent, I want you to have a healthy balance. And that meant that means on any given day, you have to higher or lower my standard on the on a whim. That's usually when that does happen is when you have to become authoritative rules, rules, rules because we were moving the standard based on what we felt the family needed you know, versus the standard stays the same, but how we execute it would be r- like rules and strict or no rules at all. Does that make sense? There's a better way to answer that.
1: I think if you think of it in terms of, so there's the biblical standard. The closer you are to that, The more security there is and the reason why is because and he he said it in the video it's really good if if you're consistent think of being close to the standard as a high level of consistency so if you operate according to these principles consistently across the board your kids have a baseline which communicates to them that any negative impact on them is solely up to them because you're objectively consistent right if you're if you're not consistent with the standard and you're not adhering to those principles then that's when there's insecurity because they don't know if they're going to get beat one day or ignored the next day right there's no consistency whereas if you're adhering to the biblical standard like as consistently as you can Then the kid knows like when they're stepping out of line and what's going to happen because they because that's just normal. Does that make sense? But the but the biblical standard, like she was saying, it's not like a if you had a parent who you could say perfectly follows these principles, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a picture of like a really regimented, strict like it wouldn't look like my god, that family like they just need to relax. I don't think it would look like that,
0: yeah. Because like he was saying, it's like, it's like peaceful. Peaceful. It would be a, um, the, the, it's like the battlefield is consistency. So you would see a family that's consistent versus a family that's either characterized by being strict or loose because it's just consistent. So it's like a totally different way of looking at it usually we have to become strict or we become passive because we're actually not being consistent because if we're you know loose for a week and then it's like crap we lost it now we're over here now I gotta like be super strict and then if you're super strict then you feel guilty then you gotta swing back over here like oh so really it's just because we weren't inconsistent whereas biblical standards is just being consistent and then it just flatlines everything so I don't necessarily see biblical strictness or biblical standards as being strict, but being consistent, which can look strict in the sense of consistency, right? So like, for example, when, when my, when, when the kids were little and I happened to be working on one aspect of them where they weren't allowed to go outside of this box or outside the carpet or whatever, it could look like, oh my God, would you relax? Because they're just putting their finger over the line, and I'll go over there and be like, no, and I might swat their hand. But I was just being consistent to that one standard, knowing that at a later age, now I don't have to train that in their heart, that they decided to like cross the line a little bit. So it will look intentional, especially in the early years, where it could look like, this is a lot, because it is a lot. But then you, you know, the parenting within the, you know, the funnel as they get older, there's so much freedom where you don't have to worry about being strict or passive because it's just consistent. So it can look intense. It can look super intentional, especially when you're working on those little things because everything matters, Um, but not necessarily authoritative
1: in that way. Yeah, like high level expectations Mm -hmm. are different from being strict right or it could be a perspective thing you know i mean strict could look like different like i don't know what strict, what strict is, is right. to you you know what i mean so it's like i mean that's a it's a really good question but i think you have to evaluate you know is it just parents saying what they mean and meaning what they say right like sometimes sometimes sh- she might feel like I'm being harsh if I like tell the kids something and then everybody's shocked when I actually do it. Like what I said, everybody's (laughs) like, Oh my God, you're so whatever. And I'm like, well, I told you, you know, it's not like I was being crazy or like, you know, I don't know. That's a good question though.
0: Yeah. Definitely interpretation of strict. Cause I know like when we were raising them when they were younger, his mom was like, you guys are so strict, but I've, but it's actually weird. I fall on the other extreme where I feel like I'm not strict enough or if that makes sense. But the the consistency of what we were training was super like, let it go. But it was like, well I'd rather battle yeah. I'd rather battle this when he's four than when he's fourteen. Yeah. So it's just I'm choosing my I'm choosing my battle, you know, you know, and and that can look very intentional and very um the standard is high, but you actually don't want to be authoritative threatening repeating and you don't also want to be passive and you know you don't want to be either one
1: go ahead sorry
2: um
0: for the without complaint, um and this might just because of my because i'm older i don't like so if you don't give like a child like space to complain and then that just like grows into like oh like I almost have to do this and I can't say anything about it and then it like grows into like I can grow into a lot of different things like complaining and stuff like that. How would you like give them like a space to like express their displeasure with? Like, like if you just
2: tell a kid that they can't complain they'll like still do it internally. Like how do you, like was that something that you just like hope that they grow out of? Or is that like
1: Something
2: you would, like, kind of trade into? So. Like, without it need into, like, this really big, like, I feel like I can't complain
1: and then, like, you kind of, like, destroying your relationship. Well, well I like, because, like, like, I thought, anyways, it's <laughs> I think I think, based on your question, just on the surface level of your question, like, not and knowing where you're coming from. Um, I, In that scenario, I would say there's other issues surrounding what you're saying, right? Because on its face, the concept of giving your child space to complain, I could think of it a couple ways, right? I, to me, I don't think to myself that it's a it's a healthy thing to let my kid complain now if you're talking about like venting like if a kid doesn't like what i tell them to do and they need a little bit of space like i I can recognize that you know if if i'm like okay they're really having a hard time with this but i know they're going to get there and i just need to give them a little space instead of like hounding them about it um i could see that but I think when I, when I, if I understand what you're saying, on its face, space to complain, to me that would be like there's something else that I would have to, I would have to look at myself on how I'm handling my kid that they feel like they need space to complain. So on the, on the flip side of that, maybe this this is a dynamic that looks like giving when you when your children are characterized by obedience right not perfect but generally they're obedient at that point of maturity if i tell them something now they have the right to say can i appeal what you're saying which we haven't even gotten to that yet but there's a progression of like responsibility responding to your parents maturity being characterized by obedience to where then you have a place where you can have like an interaction or like a two-way conversation, right? Versus, I don't know if I'm, if maybe that's kind of a similar concept, but we're just calling it something different. Like when my kids get to that place of maturity to where they can qu- not question me in a rebellious way, but they can question what's going on that's because they're mature enough to be able to have that privilege but does that make sense
0: yeah
1: on its face what you're saying that doesn't seem to me like a healthy give your kids space to complain
0: well essentially the purpose of parenting is to be able to train that that we would that we would grow into people that would be obedient without complaint so when it makes sense to then say, well, but you know, even though you're going to complain internally, I need to get you to express that because the point of not having them complain is to work that out of their heart. But there are ways to allow for communication to not exact, because because there's part of, and we'll get it, it gets into this, but the second half of the scripture that we're supposed to teach your kids to obey is to not exacerbate your children. So a lot of times when they want to complain or they're frustrated is because we've actually exacerbated them and we're not... Looking at all sides of things. So once you're characterized by first-time obedience, then there is an avenue for your kids to be able to say, "Can I, can I add, you know, what, you know, what's going on, or things that I'm seeing?" Um, you know, as as that relationship grows in that way. So um, so then there's always an outlet essentially. Um, but complaining to instruction is different than can I express my heart and be known in some things that I'm seeing and being able to approach, especially at older ages, to be able to approach your parents and be like, wrong, right, or indifferent? I'm not saying I'm right, but this is how I'm seeing this, and this is causing frustration. Can you help me work through that frustration versus saying, okay, I just need some space to complain because I don't like your instruction. It's totally different than, (laughs) you know what I mean, than like, okay, something is really confusing about this, and can you help me sort through? Because then you're still being obedient and submitted to you know that authority to try to gain understanding and that is always a part of relationship in general
1: so so that's why it's so critical for parents like she said to evaluate ourselves first because hopefully if that dynamic was there then you could go to your parents who would who would validate something that needed to be validated right but like if i tell renna to clean her room and she's just like stomping around like I need I'm gonna be like no (laughs) like (laughs) don't complain but when you're older I could see to your point where if I'm telling Jalen to do something and he has a complaint I would tell him as as an older as a young man if you have an issue then you tell me don't just walk off and have and be by yourself if you have an issue say it so that we can like figure it out but that that's like age-based like like you're saying
0: It's a big chapter. It's good. Um, and like he's—I mean, he said it in the videos. You know, we're taking a—we're taking a kind of a hard, hard turn. We're stopping after this chapter and that's why I think it's so significant, you know. So as you're going through the the principles and the questions for review, did I feel like this chapter is probably going to be carrying with us through the whole night season yeah. essentially. So, you know, look through the questions, work on things at home, but really be prepared to kind of implement I mean, everything that we've learned, but really implement this chapter as we move into everything that we're going to be, you know, moving into. I just think it's super powerful that it's talking about training. We're shifting gears on the how to train, the expectations of, of training, what it looks like to even be obedient. I mean, how powerful is that to be able to utilize you know, not just that we should be obedient, but what does that look like, and you know being able to practice that in our in our homes, practice that you know in life um as you know as we move into uh the night season, there was something else I wanted to talk about. Um I think the only the only other thing I was going to talk about is when you guys when you guys read through and you talk about the um the self-generated initiative all the way to the suppressed initiative. When working on that, remember, you're not gonna all of a sudden just get self-generated initiative. I mean, it's all a process of moving. And you can have one child that's in all four things depending on what it is. So I can have one child that is like self-generated initiative, because again, all of this is multidimensional, right? So you've got love languages. So I've got one child that is self-generated initiative in acts of service like nobody's business. But then there'll be other things that will be all the way, you know, all the way over here. It might be hiding where it's an issue of um, totally ignoring instruction and also finding another pursuit, right? So I can have one child that's like setting the table and I didn't even ask, and then they can also be over here in another area and completely ignore my instruction altogether and have an attitude about it or be in the middle, you know. So just remember that you're just, you know, trying to work on um, – not one battle at a time, but you're just trying to work on, like trying to pick on certain things that you really want to work on and just try to be as parents consistent in that one thing. It's so hard to be consistent, which is why we fall to bribing, which is why I'm totally the mom that's like picking up things because I don't know how many times you guys have all heard me be like, well, it's just easier if I do it myself. (laughs) And it is because... Then I gotta, cause then I gotta train them to do it. So it's double the work. You know, it's like, well, I would just, if I could just clean the girl's room, then I would just get it done versus having to go downstairs, watch Renna, did you put the towel on the hook? Because I could just pick up the towel after she goes to school. It's so much easier. But instead, I have to go downstairs and be like, Renna, why is the towel on the floor in the bathroom? And I have to like teach her to, I have to seriously grab her hands, pick up the towel. I mean, I don't know how many times I've, boys, the laundry behind the door. I mean, Jalen, now Cutter, you have to deal with Jalen. I'm just kidding, I'm not saying he does but I'm just saying, like now it's like, but it's taken a long time where it'd be so easy to go up to school, I just, I'm doing the loads of laundry, I go back there, I grab all the laundry, versus every morning you need to pick up your laundry. It's just, it, it's double the work, but later their wives are gonna love me.
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right
0: because if you don't train them you know yeah, it's
1: good anyways them.
0: so but just know that you can be in mo so just if it's just you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna right now for, i'm just giving an example right now we're working on chores i am the repetitive parent that is like did you guys do your chores did you guys do your chores and then it's like three days later no And I'm like, why did I even ask if they did their chores if I'm not going to expect them to actually do their chores? And usually if I say, Sean, it does mean when I feel like it, I will come upstairs. I heard you. I said, yes. I said, yes, mom. And that meant that that expected we were going to have a conversation through two floors. When I say your name, you, yes, mom, and you come. I mean, you would think, I mean, I trained this at the age of three, but for some reason I have to like retrained. But why? Not because he all of a sudden freaked out because apparently I've created a pattern that when I say Sean, I'm kind of like crazy, like spazzo. So I'll be like, Sean, and then I'll be like, I forgot what we were going to talk about. And then I start doing something else and she's probably like, she don't even mean it. And she'll forget <laughs> she said my name because I do. Like, he knows it. He's sitting in his bed. He's like, watch, give her five minutes. (laughs) She'll be on to another task yelling at Kaya. She doesn't know. I mean, I... Am I right? (laughs) Look, Sean goes, I'm not saying anything. (laughs) So it's like, Sean, and he's probably thinking, like, give it some time, right? Because I have not given the expectation, like I did at three. Yes, Mom, come here. It was, yes, Mom. And then I probably... It was easy i'm in the laundry room he goes what and then i start talking so now all of a sudden i've created this atmosphere that that just means he can just say yes mom and we have to have a conversation through doorway you know anyways so i felt inconsistent so then i have to go back to the standard when i call your name it's yes mom and you come upstairs so we can have eye to eye contact so that i don't forget what i'm trying to get you to do (laughs) because if you don't come up here and look at me i won't even know what i was trying to say so just, you know, and so just don't get overwhelmed. Just be consistent now. Right? Like just, I, I, I cannot be consistent in all of these things, but I can be consistent that when I call your name, this is the expectation. So this week we've been working on chores and it's been this like lofty, well, when? We don't have time in the mornings. So after school. So like before bedtime, I mean, it's literally just been, those are your daily chores. And then when it doesn't happen, I'm like, all you have to do is two things. And then I get super frustrated and super irritated and then they don't, but they know it's like, what does this chores thing mean? (laughs) They know there's no consequences. If we don't, there's no expectation of what is my expectation? They know the chore list, but when, how, how far. Is it just a couple times a week? You know, like they didn't. So now it's like he sent them a text while they were at school. And he came up with this whole like kind of business plan. And he said, I will be charging you fees and invoicing you $10 for every chore I find while you're at school that did not get done. You are going to do.
1: Oh.
0: They only have like three or four chores. So the most they could get billed is 40 bucks a day.
2: Oh <laughs> that is and
0: it happens when they're at school. We don't care when it gets done. But, but, we, but then at the same time, we didn't want to just say we don't care when it gets done because then there could be this like, well, I didn't get a chance to do it in the morning. So anyway, so the rule is when you come... <laughs> when you get home from school your electronics are on the counter in front of me and you can have your electronic back when all your chores are done and so they've got this like 30 40 minute window as soon as they get done and then they're done and then i've been going around checking and the dog poop actually got picked up <laughs> it's the simplest thing because it was kind of this like well i'm going to go in my room and i'm doing homework and then i'm in to shower and then i got soccer and then it was like meh versus your electronics are on the counter and you don't get them back until your chores are done and we check them and we'll invoice you if they're not done. All it was was us. where the problem. Yeah. They did their chores beautifully, yeah. you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> can do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not her, it was us, because it didn't it just didn't matter, yeah. you know, and now yeah. it
2: yeah.
0: now it's it true. matters. So yeah. they're 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 fine. Dad, yeah, can you send me a sample like
2: that?
0: <laughs> Yeah, I haven't
1: had to invoice them yet but I will send it to
0: you. <laughs> she's talking about the text you sent them
1: oh yeah well and I was telling him too like if we don't take care of our stuff we have to pay fees like we have consequences so
0: if we don't work you have bills that you don't pay if you don't pay the bills you have fees so we're teaching you an amazing lesson that if you don't get your stuff done there are fees attached to your stuff but anyways, it was us, you know. So just so even if it's just that, okay, I'm gonna be consistent in that, you know, don't get overwhelmed in 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 everything. All right. Sounds good. Um we are I think that we are done with highlights. We I want to just kind of open up the floor. Oh my gosh, it's 835, you guys. Um, I just kind of want to open up the floor for a word, uh, that I believe that we, I think that we've been carrying for a while. I think Megan is carrying it really strongly. So I just kind of want to open up a platform for her to be able to speak to it. But, um, with this chapter, I want us to under, I want us to just think about some things. Okay. I want us to understand that when the Torah was given, it was it was our ancestors that were given the Torah. They were given those instructions because of what had happened basically in Egypt, okay? So we have to understand that the context to why he gave those instructions to his sons and daughters was to make something right. He was doing something to correct a thing, and he was trying to make his people right, which is why Yeshua came, was to make us in right standing, right? The purpose of the law was to put them in right standing based on the destruction of what had been happening up until that point, okay? So I want us to think about this pendulum swing all the way from when our ancestors got the Torah all the way to where we are now and how we may need to be a people, transitionaries, that are going to have to pendulum swing on the extreme of honoring the Torah to make it right for what we have not carried this whole time. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So like he did that for his people to make something right. So when we're receiving the Torah, we're going to be extreme because and this kind of goes back to Regina. It's not strict. It's consistent. And we are not going to be a family that's going to try to figure out how to not be consistent now, because we want to make right what has not been upheld this entire time. I'm not saying that once you uphold a standard, all of a sudden you can be lax, but there is some lax. I know that sounds weird, but when you parent within the funnel, think about age. There is some things that when they're younger, they're, you're training a certain way, so you're giving them a fence line that's like this small because they can't handle anything beyond this fence line. Well, that's where our family is. The fence line is going to be really, really small. That's what I mean by some um, wiggle room. As you grow into the Torah, he's going to allow us to understand more and he's going to give us some expansion in that. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but mm-hmm. basically where we are as a family, that when we receive this, it's going to be intense and it's going to be strict or consistent, I should say and strong because of that fence line. But the way that I'm seeing it is because we have to go all the way back to the original intent of what he was trying to get at in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the word is, is that we need to be a people that are characterized by first time obedience to the standard and not a people that are trying to find loopholes out of what he's giving us. amen what i mean by that is is just think about the last few chapters right and you talk about submission to authority and all of a sudden there's all these questions but what about this well what about in this situation well what does it really mean do we really have to do it here Right. I want us to be a family that's characterized by not finding the loopholes to the instruction because we're going to be a transitionary people in a family that is going to pendulum swing, it doesn't matter, it's yes, dad, and that is the standard. When we're characterized by that standard, then we can talk about some context. That, does that make sense? Yeah. I don't want us to be a family that is trying to find loopholes to the things that we're going to to, to read. Let me give an example. If we start reading in the Torah that your uh pigs not food. Like it's it's not it's not it's not even up for it's not even up for debate. It's not should you eat pork should you not. It's literally not a food. When we start learning the reason why he said that that wasn't food, that it's not food, we can't be a people, well what about in this situation or uh, does that make like we can't be a people that automatically gets the standard and starts undermining the standard right away. I'm not saying that we won't do that in context, but we have to be a people that are willing to pendulum swing to be so involved in his standard that we can rightly divide what's his and what isn't. And the reason why is because our ancestors had to receive that to make things right, but we've gone 2,000 years not operating in that. Now's not the time to try to figure out how to get out of something you just now received. For example, if it's the first time you're hearing hearing about first-time obedience, now's not the time to be like, what about the third time? You just received the standard that it's first time obedience. In another situation, if a family's been operating in first time obedience their whole life, there might be a situation where maybe it isn't the first time because, right. But in the beginning, it wouldn't make sense for him to say, I want you to be, uh, characterized by first time obedience. And the first thing we do is be like, in this situation, could I do it the fifth time? We just need to say, yes, dad, because it's first time obedience. And here's, here's part of the word, uh, that, that, that is coming people who choose to try to find the loopholes is how religion is built in the first place. Okay. If we are people that are trying to find a way out to his instruction and try to interpret and find a loophole that there's some meaning that it doesn't mean we're supposed to do it. You just started a religion. That's what we're coming out of. Christianity is founded by finding the loopholes. Christianity is known for, well, I'll do this, but I'm not doing this. Or I like this, but I don't like this. Or can I find a loophole around not having to do this? Now religion's birthed. Could be anything. Speaking in tongues, not speaking in tongues. Well, I want to find a loophole because I don't have that gift, and I don't think anybody else should have that gift, so now I'm going to be a Baptist. right? It's a loophole to whatever the instruction is, then births another identity. Well, we just want to be founded by Torah. So for now, we're Torah-based, we're Torah-observant, and we're pendulum-swinging to get ourselves back in right order in order to make right what has been undone. So let me let me give an example. We need to be extreme people. So when we were going through the chapter of um, respecting authority, let us be a people that so respects authority because we have to undo what's been done. Even if it's a good excuse, totally justifiable that like, well, in this situation, I don't think I have to respect authority. It doesn't matter because we need to make right all the generations up until this point, And we're going to have to pendulum swing to make it right that we are so characterized by honor and respect. So we're going to be excessive, right? So it might be like, well, in this day and age, We don't have to open the doors for women, right? I mean, that's kind of a cultural thing. That's a feminist thing. You might offend somebody you don't. This is just an example. We're going to be so extreme. I want every single door open for every single female you ever possibly see because we're going to be so in the world's face that we honor. I mean, that's just an example. I'm not saying that that's a Torah thing. I'm just saying that's just an, does that make sense what I'm saying? We can't be the people that are saying, but in this situation, do I have to open up the door for a female? Maybe yes. But we're gonna to have to combat the world and we're gonna to have to combat Christianity and we have to combat all of these constant loopholes of but I don't have to do that. So we have to be excessive or intense about what we are doing. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. So um so anyways, I just I want us to I want us to hold on to that word and I do wanna hand it off to Megan. I know that she's carrying it really strong, but I want us to to be thinking about that with this first time obedience that that's what we're carrying as a transitionary people and we get to carry that for our ancestors, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right? Because he did that for them to make things right. Well, we've done wrong this up until this point, we've been wronging his instructions that we need to be uh, empowered by making that right. Does that that make sense? So in order to do that, you kind of have to pendulum swing in order to make something right. It's like if I wrong here, I can't then, if I, if I, if I do something that has been wronged here, I can't be the one to try to make it right and be like, well, um, like have an excuse. Right. I have to be above and beyond to restore. I have to pay restitution. I have to give back seven times. I have to I have to go. I have to do everything that I can to bring that restoration. I wouldn't be able to say, hey, will you forgive me for this and then try to do right. And then and then outside the side of my mouth be like, but I'm not going to do it in this situation because then it didn't. It didn't it's not gonna be producing anything. And since I the point is is that the weight of it falls on transitionaries. The weight of it falls on us to be able to carry this because he's entrusted to give it to us. So just take it with weight that if he's entrusted to give this to us, that we're gonna carry it with weight and we're gonna carry it. Completely without complaining, yeah. the first time that we would be uh, and follow through, um, that we would be a people that if He entrusts us with that instruction, that we would that we would handle it correctly and not be the first people to be like, mm, "I'm not sure about that bribe law, mm-hmm. right? We're gonna, yes, Dad, and we're gonna have to work it out." Yeah. Okay. So we just don't want to re- repeat history, trying to find right, those loopholes right, because right, we all right. we all had to walk out. Yeah. Religion, right. because of the loopholes we wanted in the first place. Right. So now, let us not be characterized by more loopholes. Yeah. So. Thank you, Megan.
2: Mom really, I mean, Mom really said it, and it's best to hear from Mom because she is the one who has always carried at all costs that standard. You know, in in her life, in her family, and um, which is why we have been afforded the position that we are now, right? So, um, so I'm just going to add just a little bit. Um, but kind of what mom was just saying at the end there about starting over or about going back, that is part of what I'm feeling a safeguarding of the most intensely Mm. is that, that the responsibility of us as transitionaries, that if we don't see that all the way through, that we will have to go back, or the next generation will be the ones that have to become the transitionaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, if we just gave Yahweh permission, then we can't invalidate his voice once again. Mm -hmm. So if it's not, yes, dad, then it's already an invalidating Mm -hmm. of his voice. When we said, we're ready to hear you, we're ready to hear from you, we're ready to submit, well if our first response, just like we're talking about leaving a certain way to enter another, well if our first response to the invitation is, well, why? Or, well what about this? Then we're, he, he will, he will cut off access. I don't think that there is the same, that it's such such an entrusting that we have to walk so carefully with how we respond and how we handle what he's entrusting us with. So, mom said this, but that word about first time obedience and being characterized by submission goes back to at mom and dad's house when Yahweh began to speak a warning and that is how it was phrased, was I have a warning for this family. And that warning was don't consider yourself in any sort of a position that you have already been characterized by submission or first time obedience. Mm -hmm. That if we think that highly of ourselves And again, I Mm -hmm. understand, we have said yes to things, we have responded to invitations, that's why we're here. That's not what I'm talking about. And that's not the warning. The warning is that you have never had access to my law. Mm -hmm. You've never had full access to my voice. Now you do. So you've never had the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to be, be fully obedient. You've mm-hmm. never had right. the privilege. You've never been extended that invitation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So you are not characterized by first time obedience. Mm-hmm. We do not understand yeah. people submission. No. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right. We don't. All we understand is people. <clears throat> That's all yeah. we know. Right. Which is why it is so annoying and irritating. I can literally feel it in the spirit. Like that's why it's so irritating when authority is mentioned. That's mm-hmm. why it's so irritating when instruction is like, no, it will be complete, full, without complaint, mm-hmm. immediate. Like that's why it's so irritating because we've never known it. Mm-hmm. You you've never had to operate in it, you've never had to receive it. Mm-hmm. None of us have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've walked exempt our whole lives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. under mm-hmm. under the false covering of grace. Right. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we have considered ourselves exempt. Mm-hmm. So we have to safeguard ourselves yeah. in that feeling of irritation. And it is so in the culture of the world that next generation, you're going to feel irritated yeah. when we even use the word authority mm-hmm. because all you know is uprise against authority, Right. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I I'm mean, but I just, mm-hmm. but I yeah. just mean that that you have to have that within the context of mm-hmm. how far the culture has come because it hasn't had this authority, right? Yeah. Right. So you, we yeah. can't uprise against anything. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. outside, outside of him, right? So, so it's all been so out of order, and there is so much confusion yeah. that there's no way for us to get things back in order unless it is all yes, Dad, mm-hmm. right away, yeah. mm-hmm. no question, no. Mm-hmm. Re, that mm-hmm. is the only way that the transitionary generation will reestablish the order that mm-hmm. it requires for us to govern the earth. Mm-hmm. 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 it's the only way mm-hmm. and that is our whole assignment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right that that is the, that is the assignment and that's the only way we have access to it is by receiving and coming underneath his, his, his instructions and his directions mm-hmm. so the other thing that I wanted to speak to what that that I'm feeling really strongly is um, that aspect that was said tonight was first-time obedience is a matter of life and death and it's not just yours mm-hmm. so because we are part of what we are bringing restoration to what the bride is characterized by is coming out of selfishness mm-hmm. right that 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 if the bride is going to think outside of herself mm-hmm. how, what did you say about um, how many of the commandments are about? Seven, or six. Yeah. So if the bride has only been has been characterized by selfishness, entitlement, those kinds, of, those those kinds of things, that um, this this aspect of of thinking about how our our response or our obedience can safeguard the life. Of the next generation or the one after, or the one after, or even of Yahweh's intentions or his will for this, for a season, for, for, I mean, that's, that, that is something governing. Those are all concepts that we are so foreign to because they don't, it doesn't feel like it affects us. Mm-hmm. Like it, do, it doesn't feel like, well, you know, if I, if I don't, away okay, here or if I do this, like what's really gonna happen? Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because because we're so used to that. Like it's about me, it's about instant, it's about what's gratifying, and that's all come under that covering of, of grace. Right? That mm-hmm. false covering of grace. Mm-hmm. So um so there there is something heavy about us awakening to um the preservation of life through the law, mm-hmm. and um, yep. and I, I don't think that we're we're going to be able to fully tap into it until we really move in it. But that is something that we're going to become more and more awakened to um, about what that what that means for life, um, and also what that means for death, um, because before we had we, we were we were ignorant. And that's something that we've talked about before, right? Um, that when you're ignorant to something, there is a different kind of grace that covers what is unknown to you, mm-hmm. right? But right. once it's known, mm-hmm. you are responsible and you are accountable.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you are a generation who is now responsible and who is accountable. Mm-hmm. And it is not just to you. Mm-hmm. 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 Ooh, that That is life and neck. You, you mm-hmm. are yielding those things in your hands when you say, yes, I will walk in covenant. Mm-hmm. And that covenant is then made accessible to you. He's like, okay, here it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And That's the night season. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's literally what's coming, is once that is made known, once we become familiar with the law, which is the goal for the night season, is that we're going to start to become familiar with the law. Once that is familiar to you, if you choose to dismiss it or to take it lightly, it is life and death because that's when we go back to blessing and all, all of those kinds of things that Yahweh has already just like mama saying about his timing he's already prepared us mm-hmm. we know that mm-hmm. he's he's made that known but now it's going to be real um so um Anyways, those were um, a couple of things that I just wanted to, I, I know that that's not just for right in this moment. Those are things that we're gonna have to carry um, just kind of continually, especially because we're really not, he said it tonight, I don't remember, really, he was talking about parents and being, your kids being cued into his vo- into their parents' voice, mm-hmm. right? We're just getting cued into his voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. J- just barely, mm-hmm. just barely cued in. And so we have to be really diligent to be able to develop a maturity in, no, in hearing <coughs> and that hearing that looks like a response. Mm-hmm. And it looks like obedience, that's complete, that's without challenge, that's without complaint, mm-hmm. right? So that we can completely recharacterize um,
1: the bride. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And, Mm-mm. That was good.
0: No, super good. Did you guys hear that pendulum swing when she talked about the uprising? Yeah. Like now's not the time to uprise against something when we've never know, when when what our <coughs> uprising was before was out of order. So we got to get in order before we know what that even looks like. And that's that making it right and having the pendulum swing into order and recognizing that word over our lives that we don't we haven't known what order is. So we've got to get in order before right. we can start even. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Amen. Amen
2: Love it
1: Love awesome. it We it's good. love it it's
2: good. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom heirs International If you have received insight and revelation with this message we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry
0: You can do that at Kingdom Ayers flag.org thank you